0: Matthew chapter 16, and uh, I'm going to minister on uh, some things this morning, and uh, when I give you the title of the series that we're starting, uh, I actually ministered the first part of this in the Kansas location last week, Uh, just hold on because it's not something that we hear uh, taught a lot, but I want to talk and and minister today about uh, the fear of God and uh, the fear of the Lord. And in Matthew 16 and verse 18, this is a familiar scripture, but notice what Jesus said. He said, I say unto you, you are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. The gates of hell will not prevail against it. You know, I have pastors under our covering uh, I just last week I had I had uh, uh week uh, last weekend I had dinner with a couple of the pastors under our covering and what I'm trying to get across to them is just this simple thing the local church in the day and age we live in is crucial it's crucial the local church is the hope of the world not political reform now I'm not saying we don't need political reform we do. But the local church is the hope of the world. If if you're going to change the political arena, it's going to come through the avenue of the church. It's going to come through the avenue of the church. Uh, You know, in in days gone by, they would make the statement that as the pulpit goes, so goes the nation. As the pulpit goes, so goes the nation. Amen. I believe right now that the church is rising up. I believe that we're, I I believe we're going to get the job done. I believe we're going to get the job done. And, and uh, you know, people will say, well, did the church drop the ball? Well, it doesn't fall on anybody else's doorstep. I mean, we, right, it's not, it's not the unbeliever's fault. People say, well, if those unbelievers would vote right. Well, they can't. They're unbelievers. <laughs> you can't expect an unbeliever to vote like a believer. That's why we spent all the weeks we did leading up to the election saying, this is how, according to the word, that believers should vote. And, you know, I had people come to me after that, and they said, Pastor, you know, this is the first year I've ever voted the Bible. You know, and we, and we can kind of go, oh, isn't that bad? Well, I mean, I, but when you're just raised a certain way, and you're raised, this is what we do, and this is how we do it. You know, you, you don't have another way of thinking. The local church is crucial. Jesus said the gates of hell would not prevail against the church. That word prevail, it means to be superior in strength. To overpower or to overcome. The gates of hell will not be superior in strength to the church. And you hear a lot of talk today about what the devil's doing and how ungodly people are doing. You know, the Bible says not to worry yourself because of evildoers. You know what the Bible says? It says, don't worry about evildoers. Paul wrote Timothy and said, evil men and seducers will wax worse and worse. But it said, you continue in the things that you've learned. And be an example of faith, of patience, of love. Preach the word. That's what you're supposed to do. Amen. Amen. And he said, the gates of hell would not prevail. Be superior to... In strength. Overpower or overcome. And I thought it was interesting. The word not. The gates of hell shall not. It is this. It's the absolutely negative. In other words. That word not in the Greek language. It's using the most emphatic negative. That can be used. So Jesus is saying in a negative sense. In the most emphatic terms. The gates of hell in the most negative sense cannot prevail against the church hallelujah Hallelujah. and and it goes on it's absolutely negative never cannot will not do you see that so if Jesus says that about the church the church is crucial the church is crucial in uh, Matthew 5 we'll start here Jesus said, Matthew 5, verse 13, you're the salt of the earth. Talking about believers. You are the salt of the earth. One translation says you bring out the God flavors in the earth. All right? Then the next next verse I want you to look at is verse 14. You are the light of the world. What What is salt and light in their base essence? Influence. Salt influences the taste of your food. Light influences darkness. If you come into a dark room and you turn on the light, the darkness goes. Amen. So salt and light are influence. The church is the influence in the world. The church is the influence. I I know people talk a lot about Hollywood and they talk a lot about these other ungodly institutions. The church is the influence in the world. The church is the influence in the world. Amen. One of the meanings of influence is to lead or to direct. That's the church's job. To lead or direct. It's important. Because, because, listen, anytime you've got the church that just wants to blend into society and just, just, you know, blend in and just kind of be something that you know, never causes any waves, never shakes anything up. You'll never influence anything. You know, the Bible says you're an alien. Y'all agree with that, right? You're you're different. You're separate from the world. That 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 doesn't mean I wear my hair in a bun and a long black dress. It right? I mean, that would look funny on me—a bun and a long black dress. But you you understand what I mean? <laughs> that that right it's 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 not that you're not stylish it's not that you're you're not modern but you're different you're separate from the world there's something that separates us it's the blood of Jesus I'm in the family of God God is my father those that are in the world, those that are living in sin, Jesus said they're of their father the devil and his works they will do. There's got to be a separation between who the church is and who the world is. Amen. Amen. In Philippians two sixteen and 17, it says that we are holding forth the word of God and that we shine like lights in the world. One translation says... In which you are seen shining like stars in a dark world. Hallelujah. Do you see that? I'm going through this for a reason. This is the influence of the church. When people see the church, when people see a Christian, it should be like a light shining in a dark place. Oh, hallelujah. Do, Do you see that? Because the church is the influence. I got a book some time ago that was written way back in the early 60s. It was called The Fundamentals of Prosperity. And uh, uh, it wasn't necessarily a Christian book. It was actually written by a man who at that time was a multimillionaire. And uh, he went and had eight pillars of the fundamentals of, of prosperity. And all of those fundamentals of prosperity had to do with the church. And he said from the, the very first part of that book, the very first page, he said, if you, get, if you leave the church out of society, prosperity falls away. And he told a story. He said he was meeting with who was then the president of Argentina. And uh, the, the president of Argentina was saying, you know, we have so many resources. We have such vast potential. He said, why is it that we're not prospering? And he said, I thought about that, and I looked at him, and I said, Uh, uh, well, Mr. President, why do you think you're not prospering? And he said, here's why, I believe. He said, because when the Spanish came and, and, and founded this country, they came in search of gold. And he said, when the pilgrims landed at Plymouth Rock, they came in search of God. And he said, I believe that's why your nation is blessed and we're struggling. Now, that was all those years ago. Well, it hadn't changed. The truth hasn't changed. The church is the barometer. How the church goes is how the nation goes. Oh, hallelujah. And the fear of God is a subject that, that very often uh, people kind of shy away from. But here's what the Lord, Word of God lets us know. That the fear of God is an avenue of safety and freedom. Notice in the book of Psalm, chapter 111. Psalms, chapter 111. Hallelujah. And the word says this over and over again, so I've, I've kind of had to choose some scriptures that uh, will get us where we want to go. Psalm 111, verse 10. Notice. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Now I find that interesting. The beginning of wisdom is the fear of God. Now, Proverbs 19 or Proverbs 9 and 10 uh, tells us basically the same thing. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The beginning of wisdom. The the word beginning it means the first or the choice part or the chief part. So the first, the choice part of wisdom is fear God. Amen. And that what it says. It's the beginning of wisdom. It's the choice. It's the chief part. But it can also mean opening. So that tells us that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of the first part of wisdom, but it also opens up, it also opens me up to wisdom. Amen. The place that I put God determines how everything else flows in my life. Amen. You know, we we read scriptures uh, from the Old Testament, for instance, the Ten Commandments. And it says, uh, you shall have no other gods before you. Right? Well, what that literally says in the Hebrew is you'll have no other gods in my presence. Amen. Well, well why? Because I'm the God. I am God. I am I the God. When, when they put the Ark of the Covenant in Dagon's temple, after, after they had, uh, uh, the, the, the Philistines had taken it, the Bible says that they came in the next morning and their God had fell over. And so they propped him back up. Had to prop their God back up. And they came in the next day, and he had fell over, and his head was broken off, and his hands were broken off. Mmm. Hallelujah. Dr. Summerall went into a temple one time in India, and the, and the priest came up to him and was showing him this God, and he said, this is our most powerful God. This is the most powerful God in our belief system. Dr. Summerall just went, hmm. And while he was standing there, while he was standing there, that God fell over. And Dr. Summerall went and got the priest and said, uh, your most powerful God just fell over. <laughs> but well, here, here's my point. The, the place that I have God determines how, how other things flow in my life. If I want to have wisdom open to me consistently, I have to operate in the fear of God. Oh, hallelujah. hallelujah. Many will say, well, you know, well, what's, wrong, what's wrong with the world? They're, they're just not thinking right. Well, no, they're not thinking right. They can't think right because they don't have any fear of God. They don't care what God thinks. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. They, 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 they don't care what God thinks. And, and, and I understand that they're unbelievers. And, you know, the church will say, well, you know, you can't do cer- certain things and expect the blessings of God to keep coming. And I understand that and I agree with it. Alright, but here's the thing, the Bible says that a lot of what we're seeing in the world in Romans chapter 1 is because people have been turned over to a reprobate mind. They have a mind that is void of judgment. Now, why do they have a mind that's void of judgment? They have no fear of God, and without the fear of God, I can't make a sound decision. Oh, hallelujah. Amen. And, and people will preach against certain things and, and there are things that are sinful and I understand that. But folks, listen, you can't get up and just talk about how wrong uh, uh, same-sex marriage is or, or any of the other things that's going on in the world. You can't just get up and talk about how wrong it is and preach to the choir and the church amen you without somehow being a light in the world so that wisdom can get to other people. The wisdom of God has to shine to them. Hallelujah. Do, do, do you see that? Over some, somewhere in the neighborhood of 60 million babies have been aborted. Well, well, what, what, what would cause someone to just go and abort a child? No wisdom. No knowledge of what God thinks. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. That's why different different uh, entities. We have some here in, in Little Rock and in Arkansas. You know, if they can get that mother in there and show that mother an ultrasound and hear that baby's heartbeat, the chances that she's going to bring her baby to term are multiplied. That's why we support caring hearts, and we support different institutions like that. Why? Because that is wisdom. That's the wisdom of God. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Before you formed me in my mother's womb, you knew me. Hallelujah. And the devil is so antagonistic against the things of God. He tries to convince people that's no big deal. You know, it's it's you know there, there's there's no there's no personhood before the child is, in, is, is, is physically born but God said I knew you and you cannot not be a person and God know you. Do, do you understand what I'm saying? Well, well what changes that? What changes that? This knowledge of the things of God. I have to care what God thinks. It, it has to matter to me. What God thinks. Amen. Hallelujah. I've had people come up to me before and say, now pastor, is it a sin to drink a beer? And I'll respond this way, why do you want to (laughs) know? Amen. See, the issue is not, will I go to hell if I drink a beer? The issue is, what does God think? You understand? Because that's what people very often do, is they boil it down to that. Well, can I do that and not go to hell? (laughs) But what does God think? If you're born again in here, and I'm assuming everybody is, if you're born again, most people, I know most of you, you're born again, I think. (laughs) If you're born again, hell is not on your radar. You're not, you're not going to hell. It, it, it's not an option. It's not a, a concern. What is a concern? What does God think about what I'm doing? What does God think about it? See, that's, that's the reverence. That's the fear of God. Am I helping you? Now, very often when we talk about the fear of the Lord, we say it simply you know, just means to reverence God or to honor God. Well, folks, it does, but hear me. When we overemphasize that, it takes the gravity of the fear of the Lord away. Well, you know, and I've heard people say, well, you don't have this fear of God now. Now, it doesn't mean this and that. It just means to honor God and to reverence God. Well, what they're trying to do is, is take the gravity away. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Because somehow honor and respect and reverence doesn't get the same picture across. Amen. Especially in a society we live in. Why? Because they are by and large an honorless society. They have no respect for anything or anybody. We're, we're, if we're living in the last days, the Bible says in the last days people will have no respect for each other. They'll have no respect for your property. They'll have no respect for your personal rights. They'll have no respect for your right to, 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 to uh, keep your body to yourself. When you look at, 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 at Sodom and Gomorrah, what was the big issue in Sodom and Gomorrah? Bring those men out so we can know them. They don't have a right to not come out here so we can know them. No respect, no fear of God. Do, do, do you see that? And so when somebody says, well, that just means to honor God, you can't tell, some, and, and, and you know how to honor God, but you can't tell somebody that has no concept of honor to honor God. Amen. The word fear in the scriptures that we read, the fear of the Lord, it does mean respect or reverence, but it also means an awesome or terrifying thing. When when you read in the scriptures, remember, remember what David said? He said, it is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of a living God. Isn't that right? Oh, it makes me think. Hallelujah. See, it's, it's, it's not hell. that as believers, we're worried about, we shouldn't be worried about anything. But here's what brings about this reverence, this honor, this, this awesomeness, is there will be a day that I stand before Jesus and I give an account for my life. And that's why the Bible says every day, we're going to read it in a little bit, every day be in the fear of God. Don't worry about evildoers, live your life in the fear of God. Amen. Oh, I'm helping you. We hear a lot about the grace of God, how forgiving God is, how God won't hold your sin against you, and hear me. Oh, that's true. We preach that heavily. You know we preach that heavily. But here's something I want you to see. If we're not careful, we'll get it out of balance. If we're not careful, we'll get it out of balance. Uh, 1 Corinthians eleven thirty one. 31. You remember what he said? He said, if we would judge ourselves, we would not be judged. Isn't that what he said? And then he went on and he said, and when we are judged or we're chastened, it's so we won't be condemned with the world. Isn't that what it says? When we are judged, we're chastened of the Lord. We're corrected. We're disciplined by God. For what reason? So we won't be condemned with the world. Isn't that right? And where did he say that started with? Judging ourselves. And if I would judge myself, I won't be judged. Now, the last I saw, 1 Corinthians, is in the New Testament. And it's written to the church. And this is a church that had the gifts of the Spirit. They were moving so often and and so numerous that Paul had to take two chapters and explain how to have order in the church when those gifts are moving. I mean, they were a speaking in tongues bunch. They had the gifts of healing, the working of miracles, discerning of spirits, prophecy, tongues, interpretation of tongues, all of it. And Paul still writes them and goes, you got to judge yourself. Amen. Why? Because if I, won't, if I judge myself, I won't be judged with the world. The fear of God in a believer's life should far outweigh the fear of God in a non-believer's life. Amen. Notice 1 Peter 4. 1 Peter 4. And uh, verse 17, notice, Peter said, the time has come that judgment must begin at the house of God. And if it first begin at us, what shall the end of them be that obey not the gospel of God? And if the righteous scarcely are saved, where shall the ungodly and the sinner appear? Now, Now notice that. This is not talking about God judging the church. One translation, the broadest translation says, it's time for judgment to begin from the house of God. In, or, in other words, when the church fears God, we can influence the world. Amen. Amen. I mean, think, think about that. When the, when the world sees no difference in the church, it's hard to influence them. Amen. I remember one time I saw a picture and, uh, 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 on social media. And I, I don't have social media. Uh, if you do, I'm not, I'm not saying that's wrong. I don't have it. But I saw a picture one time of a very popular pop star, uh, a singer. And they were in a bar taking a shot of tequila uh, with their pastor who was taking a shot of tequila. How does that influence? Now, I'm not talking about the argument of, is it okay for a Christian to drink? All right, that's, I, I don't have time to go there. But I, I've got a series on that, though. And here, here, here's the point. What business did a man of God have in a bar? Well, it got quiet in this Presbyterian church. I mean, that, 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 that was my question. How am I influencing somebody taking a shot of tequila? Now, is it any wonder that that same pastor ended up in adultery? Multiple affairs? Lost his church? Now, people will say, Pastor, don't judge. I'm not judging. I'm saying... The Bible says, if I don't judge myself, I end up in the same condemnation of the world. If I'm the influence, if I I am the influence, if, if I as a man of God and you as a man or a woman of God, if we are the influence in the earth, then that means there's something different about us that causes us to be an influence. And it starts with the fear of God. Hallelujah. Do, do, do you see that? And, and when, we, when we downplay that, we run a risk. Well, you know, Pastor, we're sleeping together because, you know, we're almost married. Almost marriage is exactly the same as not being married. Well, we love each other. That has nothing to do with it. Let that love drive you to the altar. And say I do. Right? There's there's something that has to be respectful and honorable about God. He said that your body and your spirit belong to God. And he said honor God in both of them. You know this is not hard. This may sound direct. But it's, it's not a hard message. But if God gave me breath. And he did. I have to. I'm supposed to honor him. In my body. You know what Paul said. In first Corinthians. He said don't you know. He that joins himself to a harlot. Becomes one. And he said don't take the body of Christ. And join it to a harlot. Because you are bought with a price. When When you look at the price that Jesus paid to save you and redeem you it does something in your thinking it brings you to a higher level of honor and respect for what God did for you and you're not willing to just take your life and go do whatever and live however because there's some fear of God not fear that God's going to knock you in the head respect, honor for God, reverence for God I'm not going to take my life and subject it to that because I honor God. Amen. So when the church fears God, we can influence the world. But when the world sees no difference, and, 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 oh, Jesus. And, and, and that's where we got into some trouble. With people that were well-meaning. They were well-meaning. They wanted to make church. If I can say it this way. More comfortable for people. But what they did in in, in the process. Was take the respect and the honor for God out of it. Amen. Listen here's the way I look at it. You come come to church however you will. Come as you will. That's what the Bible said. I, I want everybody to be comfortable. Amen. But here's the. Now, within reason, you understand. (laughs) But here's the thing. When you stop receiving tithe and offering because you don't want people to feel uncomfortable about money, you've just taken some of the honor for God out. He said the tithe honors Him. And that's how we teach it. When you come and you give your tithe, you are honoring God. You are honoring God with your substance and the first fruit of all your increase. But when you put a can in the back and you say, look, just stop by and, you know, do whatever you want. And just, you know, it's back there. It's out of sight. Just put your tithe in there. Then the honor for God becomes something that I'm doing in private. I don't have to feel uncomfortable about it if I want to give I give if I don't want to give I don't give I don't know who gives in this church and who doesn't I can't tell you the last time I looked at the financial role it doesn't matter if you come here and you didn't give this morning or you didn't give last week nobody's looking and writing down didn't give that then didn't give that no that's that's not the point it's a thing between you and God nobody sees me honor my wife consistently but I know it's going on. It might be where you don't see it, but it's happening every day of our life. Why? Because we're married, we love each other, we walk in honor, and we walk in respect with each other. You are honoring God every day of your life as a believer. When you take a breath, you're thanking God. When you get up and walk, you're thanking God. Because God is the one that made me able to do this. And we take no shortcuts to honor God. Oh, hallelujah. Do you see that? Hallelujah. And so it's, it's, it's the honor for God. Now people say, you know, I've heard people and they kind of get nitpicky. Well, you know, we got uh, coffee bars in the foyer. Why well, don't see anything wrong with that? Coffee was the elixir of the promised land. I'm convinced. <laughs> hallelujah. Coffee... It's like a hug in a cup. It's just, it's, hallelujah. <laughs> hallelujah. I mean, you get up in the morning, sometimes you go down there to four bucks. You know, it's not Starbucks, it's four bucks. Amen. <laughs> if you get anything other than regular coffee, it's four bucks. That's where it starts. Or Dunkin', you might go and get your Dunkin' or, or Guillermo's or wherever you go. But, but here's the thing, there, there's nothing wrong with having a coffee shop in, 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 in the foyer. There's nothing wrong with having a coffee shop in your church if it's for the right reason. But it's not just to make people comfortable to come to my church. And you can bring your latte in the sanctuary. And don't worry, we're not going to ask you to lift your hands. You can sit there all through service and sip all you want. And we're not going to ask you to lift your hands. Even though the Bible says when you enter into His gates, you enter into His gates with thanksgiving. And you enter into His courts with praise. And you lift your hands and you lift your voice. And you glorify and magnify God. You don't just come to church to get something. You come to bring something. You brought a supply today. I hope I'm helping you. You brought a supply today. And the problem is is that you can preach against sin and if you don't preach and teach on honoring God, preaching against sin produces condemnation. Preaching the honor and the respect for God produces freedom. Because they're not not separate. If I'm going to live above sin, I'm going to live with a fear of God in my life. My pastor said this one time. He said, you never see sin or right until you see it as against God. Right. You never see it right till you see it as against God. I've, I've had people over the years say, how, how could God forgive David? And you know, it was after Bathsheba and Uriah that God said David was a man after his own heart. God said that afterwards. He said it before, but he also said it afterwards. How's that possible? Especially under the old covenant. He committed two trespasses that were guilty, that, 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 that were worthy of death. You know what the Bible says? If a man kills a man, it's his life for that man's life. It says if a man commits adultery with a woman, he's put to death. How did, how did David avoid that? Somewhere he tapped into the New Covenant. But he tapped into that new covenant because of his honor and his respect for God. When Nathan said, you're the man, David got on his face and said, I've sinned against God. And you can read it. He said, only against you have I sinned. I didn't sin against Uriah when I murdered him. I didn't sin against Bathsheba when I committed adultery with her. God, it was only you. It was you that I disrespected. It was you that I dishonored. And Nathan said, get up, God's forgiven you. Because of his fear of God. Oh, glory be to God. See, it's it's a a place of freedom. It's a place of of refuge. Amen. Do do you understand that? And the church has tried to to go down many roads and prove, you know, how much we honor God and we fear God. You know, we don't wear makeup and we don't cut our hair and we don't, right? My Lord. That's an ugly gospel that I'm telling you Hallelujah. <laughs> uh, you understand what I mean by that? Glory to God. Man, you walk in some churches, it's like walking back into the 1970s. Amen. I look back on pictures in the 70s and I think, what was my mother, what was my mother thinking? You look at pictures of you in the 70s and you go, what was I thinking? I thought that looked good. I mean, purple polka dots with orange checks. I mean, it just makes. It's it's not the length of your hair if you're a lady or a man. The denomination I grew up in, the men couldn't have their hair touching their collar. Because don't you know long hair on a man is a shame? Right, it's a shame, not a sin. And they don't read the rest of that verse. Paul said, but if anybody's contentious, we don't have any customs like that. No, not the church of God. Amen. See, see, that's not the fear of God. I said, that's not the fear of God. You can walk in here as a man with the hair down the middle of your back. You can walk in here as a woman with a buzz cut. I don't care. That's not proof that you don't fear God. The proof of the fear of God is found in your life, living your life on a day-to-day basis in the honor and the fear of God. Things I don't do, things I don't watch, things I don't say, things I don't do because I fear God. Not because I'm legalistic, not because I'm afraid of hell, but because I care what God thinks About my life. I care what he thinks. Amen. Do you see that? And so the church. Becomes this ugly duckling. That you can't have any fun. If you go to church. (laughs) I've had more fun. Went more fun places. Went more exotic places. Traveled more. Since I've been serving God. Than I ever did when I wasn't. Living for Jesus is fun. One man said one time, if you're, my little fever, he said, if you're not having fun serving Jesus, you're doing it wrong. And, 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 and that's the truth. My point in saying that is so people say, well, you know, if you're going to be holy, uh, uh, the women can't wear pants, wear nothing that pertains to a man. Ladies, I love all y'all, but none of your pants pertain to a man. They are not cut for a man. They are not men's pants. They do not pertain to a man. And none of my pants pertain to y'all. Even a woman's shirt buttons different. Amen. We button on the right, you button on the left. Why? Because it's a woman's shirt. And the church will say, well, you can't wear pants because you can't wear nothing that pertains to a man. Then you can't wear shoes. You can't wear socks. Those pertain, y'all got shoes and socks on? Where do we stop? Well, if you're holy. I was made holy. And that holiness infiltrates the rest of my life. The Bible talks more about modesty. In dress, it doesn't talk about holiness in dress, it talks about modesty in dress. I hope I'm helping you. Amen. I've watched people that had a dress up to here and down to here and down to here, the most salacious, the most the most offended, the most backbiting, the most gossiping people I'd ever met in my life. Every time they opened their mouth, they were sinning. But they were holy. They couldn't move, but they were holy. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And then, and then, and then I've watched people that are in style, in vogue, however you want to say it, dressing with the times, the most holy, the most saved, the most God-fearing people I ever met in my life. Amen. I've had people look at me and look at my wife, you know, the way we do, and and then they'll talk about holiness. And I've just gotten bold over the years, and I just look at them, and I say, I live holier than you do by accident. And you live that way on purpose. I live holier by accident than you do on purpose. Amen. Because there's a fear of God. Am I helping you with this? Don't, don't Don't ever judge it by that. You need to look like a Christian. How does a Christian look? How does a Christian look? And where do we stop? Do we all have to wear black eyeglasses? (laughs) Amen? Man, the denomination I grew up in, the, the pastors could only wear a white shirt. White shirt, black tie, and a black suit. He looked like he was going to a funeral every day of the world. And most of the services were that dead. That, and, and they do that so the man of God. See the black. There's no color. Right. It, he's holy. He doesn't want anything of this old world's goods. And you know we didn't have much of the old world's goods. We're a very poor representation of God. The Bible, and I'll, I'll share this with you before we're done. The Bible says, in the fear of the Lord are riches and health and long life. When I'm walking in the fear of God, I'm blessed. I'm healed. I have a long life. There's, there's no, oh my goodness. There's, there's nothing non-colorful and broke about serving God. Do, do, do you see that? So you got you to get rid of that. The Bible talks about modesty. Being modest. Not archaic. I've seen preachers come before and it like they brought their mom to preach. And it was their wife. You think it was their mother. Well, pastor, that's not a bad thing. It is a bad thing. You want to be married to your mama? That's not holiness. That's tradition. I said that's tradition. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. So, so ladies, buy all them new dresses. Amen. Go get your hair done. As Lily says, go get a mani-pedi. Amen. Get, get it all done. We're training her up right from a young age. Amen. She'll come to me and say, "Can we go get a manny petty?" <laughs> well, I'll take you to get a manny petty. I'm not petty and mannying, but uh, <laughs> the fear of God. Yeah. See, when you're walking in the fear of God, you'll know what's too far. You'll know. Amen. Hallelujah. I had a dear brother one time, if he went swimming, he, he wasn't going to go swimming without his shirt. You know, now, now, now if you don't want to get a sunburn, I understand. But, but, you know, you're not more holy because you wear a shirt when you go swimming. You're more uncomfortable. Amen. Amen. It's not, I'm, not, I'm not walking in the fear of God because I won't take my shirt off to go swimming. Amen. Proverbs 8.13. Am I helping you? Oh, this is so important. Mm. None of that was in my notes. But it was good. Notice it says, Proverbs 8, 13, the fear of the Lord is to hate evil. Now, now stop right there. And notice there's, a, there's a, 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 a colon after that. So he's pausing, but he's making a statement. He says, the fear of the Lord is to hate evil. Now, Proverbs 8 is wisdom speaking. And wisdom says, the fear of the Lord is to hate evil. Do you see that? Hallelujah. And then he goes on and he says, this is wisdom speaking. Pride, arrogancy, the evil way, and the froward froward mouth do I. Wisdom, I hate that. He says, in the people of God, the fear of the Lord is to hate evil. And then wisdom says, this is what I hate. Now, notice that. The fear of the Lord is to hate evil. One translation says, the fear of God means hating evil. Now, how do you reconcile that? Because we've heard so much through the years. You know, you hate the sin, but you love the sinner. Well, of course we do. But but that's kind of hard to reconcile for some people. But yet, the Bible says, the fear of God means hating evil. There's got to be things that you hate just because it's offensive to God. Mm. Wisdom... Of which the fear of God is the beginning says That the fear of the Lord is to hate evil That word hate it means to be odious In other words it stinks So to the believer that fears God Evil stinks Isn't that right? It has an odor about it. I don't want to be around it. You know, you you might win a fight with a skunk, but you may not want to. (laughs) Why? Because if you get sprayed by a skunk, we're going to know. I don't know if you've ever been sprayed by a skunk. But it don't just go away. If you hit a skunk in your car, you're going to smell like a skunk. So that's why we do what? Stay away from skunks. If you see a skunk crawling, you'll see a grown man running. Amen. Because it's odious. It has an odor. Is that right? Evil has an odor. That I don't want to smell like. not that right? That's why scripture says what? It says as believers, come out from among them and be separate. Touch not, taste not, handle not the unclean thing. Why? You'll smell like it. Amen. Hallelujah. When I was a boy growing up in church, I was the pastor's kid. And, and you know, all the mothers of the church wanted to hug the pastor's kid. And, and I would come out of church with lipstick on both cheeks, smelling like a variety of perfumes. Whew. Hallelujah. And it seemed like everybody wanted to smell like flowers. There was no doubt where I had been. Amen. Amen. Do you see that? And he said the fear of the Lord is to hate that. To hate evil. Not to see how close I can walk without falling in. Is that right? There's a difference between me and the world. Between you and the world. I'm not not trying to see how close I can get. Now, Now understand what I mean by that to what they do I'm in the world but I'm the light of the world I'm the influence in the earth notice notice Proverbs 16 and 6 oh hallelujah it says by mercy and truth iniquity is purged and by the fear of the Lord, men depart from evil. We see two things here. We see, first of all, it takes mercy and truth to deal with iniquity. Mercy and truth. Now, very often what happens is the mercy is heavily emphasized. And God was merciful to us. I've, I've got a, a whole series entitled Mercy in Action. God's been very merciful to us. But if you overemphasize mercy, you weaken people. Here, here's, here's a good example. Now, we're all forgiving. I've, I've, I've raised uh, four kids and raising the fifth one. And, and, he, and here's the thing. Is you want to be merciful and kind and compassionate to your children. Right? Right? But if all you ever do is show mercy. You'll raise up a child that has no concept. Of doing the right thing. Because ever what happens I'm just going to show mercy. Now there's a place for mercy. I'm I'm very merciful. Amen. I can probably count on two hands. the, the, The times I've had to discipline any of my children. And one of them took up most of my fingers. But here's the thing. I always try to be merciful. I always try to look for a route to show mercy. How can I show mercy here? Right? But there comes a time when I can't just show mercy. There has to be a, a, a discipline that brings about the idea that what you did was incorrect. Is that right? And he said, it is mercy and truth that purges iniquity. So yes, God is merciful. God is kind. God is forgiving. Right? But there's also the truth side of God. Where he says, this is what I expect. This is what I want you to do. This is how I want you to do it. And what we have very often is we have people nowadays that, 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 that get up in the morning and they know they're going to go sin today and here's where their mindset: Well, God will forgive me because He's so merciful and kind. It is true. God is merciful and kind and God will forgive you. But the fear of God and the respect for God should be there so that you don't even think that way. I'm not going to go out and sin today because God will forgive me. I'm going to live my life for Him today because He did forgive me. Amen. Isn't that great? Amen. Woo. Whew. Amen. People need mercy, but they need truth. It, 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 ephesians four says part of the pastoral office and part of the giftings of the fivefold ministry is to be able to speak the truth the truth in love amen, amen. amen. i had i had a situation one time and you know pastors have stories and they, and there was a couple in the church and 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 their marriage was was on the rocks and and uh uh, you know, they were going their, their, you know, I say their separate ways. But but anyway, uh, uh, you know, th- there were issues there. And uh, uh, the, the one party uh, decided, you know, they'd pick up a relationship. Now, they're still married. And, and I'm praying for this situation. And I saw, I saw in the spirit. I saw the person that they were messing around with. Saw what they looked like. Saw the person. Could almost tell you their name. Amen. And people say, well, what'd you do? I called that person in my office. I said, I need to talk to you. I said, I understand you're going through some things and and, and, and the marriage is falling apart and, and the person doesn't, doesn't want to uh, uh, to reconcile and all these things. But I looked at them I said, but you're still married. And they kind of looked at me and I said, and I know who you're fooling with. And I said, this is what she looks like. This is the color of her hair. I can almost tell you her name. I said, and if you keep fooling with her, I'll know her name and I'll tell you next week. People say, how did, how did they respond to that? They didn't like it. But you've got more at stake here. If I can say it this way, please don't misunderstand what I'm saying. Than just a marriage. You've got the blessings of God at stake here. You gotta do the right thing. If you ever want this thing fixed, you gotta fear God. And you can't go go live, yeah, but they're doing doesn't matter what they're doing. It's, it's it's what am I doing? Amen. Remember what your mama used to say, you gonna jump off the bridge just because your friends jump off the bridge? No, I'm I'm not right. I hear ministers get up and take and take sermon series. From ungodly television shows, using clips from ungodly shows to promote their series, I don't get it. When, when, when do we hear from the Holy Ghost? When do we preach and and teach what the Holy Ghost says? You can't listen. You can preach and teach whatever you want, but you can only impart what you are. And if you're not imparting that holiness, that fear of God, that respect for God, then somewhere I'm missing it. I'm not trying to be cool. I'm not, try- I'm, I, I'm, I'm not trying to be anybody's buddy in here. You don't need a buddy, you need a pastor. Amen. Hallelujah. Do, do you hear what I'm trying to say? Well, you know, you know, that person listened. And the other party wouldn't work on things. But that person listened and God has restored their life. You, you know what happened? They restored the fear of God. And you know, God here's God's mercy. God is so merciful that He would deal with that person. He dealt with that person in public. Nobody else knew what God was saying through me to Him. God dealt with him in public. I, I, he was at my house just the other day, and he was talking to me in Kansas, and he was talking to me, and he said, I remember that night that God spoke to you and said, If you keep, pers- through you to me, and said, if you keep pursuing the path you're on, it's going to end up in destruction and devastation. But if you will stop right now, the blessings of God will come into your life. And he said, I made the phone call that night and said, I'm done. I'm not doing that anymore. I fear God more than I want this relationship. And God started blessing him. He got his old job back with all the benefits and more money. God is blessing him. And it's just overwhelming. Why? Because by the fear of God, iniquity is purged. See, he says, he says, he says here, oh, hallelujah. He says, uh, uh, by the fear, tr- mercy and truth, and iniquity is purged. By the fear of the Lord, men depart from evil. Notice, people turn away from evil because they fear God. I'm going to depart from that because I fear God. Amen. This this is so important. One translation, the Rotherham translation, says. And in the revering of Yahweh is a turning away from wrong. It's just built into it. When you respect God, you just turn away from wrong. Amen. It's, 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 it's just built into you. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. When people ask me, they say, well, you know, Pastor, is, is this wrong? If you got to ask me, you know the answer. Amen. Hallelujah. See, it's it's not an issue of condemnation or guilt. It's an issue of what honors God. When, When you're raising children, you're teaching them honor and respect. You don't teach them to be afraid of you as a parent. You teach them to honor and respect you as a parent that's why when I was growing up it was commonplace to say yes sir and yes ma'am no sir and no ma'am I can't tell you the times well it wasn't very often but uh, one time somebody asked me a question and I said yes I didn't say yeah I didn't say some of it I said yes and I heard what'd you say oh uh, yes ma'am oh that's legalistic no it was teaching me honor it was teaching me honor and if you teach a child honor for the office of the parent, honor for the office of their pastor, honor for the office of their teacher. I've never seen, I've never seen the day when, when a child will come home, and you know how children are, and a child will come home and say, my pet, my, my teacher's picking on me. They, they don't pick on nobody else, just me. They treat everybody else great. It's me. They just don't like me. And the parent will just take the child's side. We're going to go talk to that teacher. And we'll go talk to your teacher. And we'll straighten this out. Well, right there, you just you just taught that child disrespect for authority and disrespect for, for those in a position of leadership. Well, what if they're right? God will help you see it. And you can change the situation. But the worst thing you can do is get on the side... Of a child against somebody they're supposed to be respecting. I know that's old-fashioned. Proverbs 23, 17. I'm almost done. Bear with me. 23 and 17. Notice. Let not your heart envy sinners, but be in the fear of the Lord all the day long. Don't envy sinners. Well, Well. Why would I not envy sinners? Because they're not in the fear of God. You know, a sinner will lie to you to get his way. They'll cheat you to make money. It says, don't envy them. They're doing it all the wrong way. You be in the fear of God all day. You pass your time in the fear of God. Do you know that's what the Bible says was the biggest problem with Ananias and Sapphira? They didn't fear God. Well, it doesn't say that word for word, Pastor. No, 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 it doesn't. But it says, after, after, after they carted them out, it says the fear of God came on everybody. Not because they were afraid they were going to get killed. What, what, what did Peter point out to both of them? He said, how is it you weren't afraid to lie to the Holy Ghost? In other words, the Holy Ghost, do you understand what I'm saying? He's saying, you lied because you had no fear of God. You didn't fear God. And when I don't fear God. I open myself up. To anything the enemy wants to bring into my life. Amen. Now here's the last verse. Proverbs 19. And verse 23. Notice what it says. The fear of the Lord. Tendeth to life. Is that what it says? And he that hath it. Has what? The fear of the Lord shall abide satisfied. He will not be visited with evil. Is that what the scripture says? He that has the fear of the Lord will abide satisfied and will not even be visited with evil. One translation says, the fear of the Lord gives life and he who has it will have need of nothing. No evil will come his way. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Do do, do you see that? Listen. Walking in the fear of God is not something where you're going to miss out on something. I mean, you'll miss out on some things. But it's all those destructive things. You know, when I was raising my children, I always wanted them to do right. Because they loved God. Not because they were going to disappoint me. Ever ever how hard I try in my life with you as my people, as the congregation. I I never want to intentionally disappoint you, but I might. Because I'm human. Children are going to disappoint parents. I've had people say, well, you know, uh, children should never disappoint you. They do. Amen. But here's the thing, I want you to honor God. If you disappoint me, that's fine, I'll forgive you, we'll move forward. I mean, God will forgive you too, but but I want you to live your life honoring Him. I want you to come to church because you see it as an honor for God. You're here this morning because you honor God, not because you didn't have anything else to do. Not because this, this, this was the best of two options. Church is never just something you do. It's something you choose to do because you honor God. Hallelujah.